Hi, I'm Giorgio Rutia from Kingston Libraries in Victoria. And today I'm really excited to be talking to Sam Wallman. But first, I would like to acknowledge the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the custodians of the land from where I'm speaking. And I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. I pay respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to all First Nations people from across the land. We need a treaty. Now, today we have Sam Wallman who is a comics journalist and cartoonist. His drawings have been published in The Guardian, New York Times, The Age, ABC, and SBS. He has also done a lot of work for unions and for the Workers' Art Collective, and he's based in Melbourne. Uh, welcome to Alia Graphics, Sam. How are you going? Thanks, buddy. I'm good. From Wurundjeri country myself, so yeah, pay my respects also. Thanks for having me, man. Excellent. And uh, you've just landed back in Melbourne, is that right? That's right, yeah. Over and the jet lag now, thankfully. Over the jet lag, good man, excellent. So, uh, Our Members Be Unlimited is your first graphic novel. Uh, so congratulations. And Thank you. The book's just been published in Australia. Is it also published internationally? And if so, when? Uh, yeah, it's coming out in uh, New Zealand or Aotearoa at the moment, I think, the same time. And then it's scheduled for release in the US. Um, it was going to be November, but because of all the stuff happening with Amazon, all the great shit happening with them unionizing, they're trying to bring it forward. So I think it's coming out in September there and Canada um, and maybe the UK, but I think they're still trying to work that out. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Amazon there, and I, I think that's something that we should talk about. Um, we'll get back to that because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll talk about the book later, uh, but um, you've done a lot of other things, lots of graphic design, posters. Can you talk to us about the kind of work you do in general? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'm like a gun for hire for visual stuff for different grassroots groups like um, unions or activist groups or NGOs who are often trying to communicate something a little bit complicated, um, but not always. Sometimes it's just like rah-rah propaganda or making placards or banners and things like that. But um, yeah, I often do comics, single panel cartoons, posters for workplaces. It's it's a bit of a grab bag, which is kind of the only way that I can make a work financially as well is by doing lots of random different stuff. And, and that's also what keeps it interesting from a creative perspective as well. Like if I was just doing union stuff, I would probably get really bored <laughs> of that and like, and run out of ways to draw like a group of people with their fist in the air or something so I like yeah I like doing different types of stuff so I could tell you like the things I was working on today if that would be a good yes drill please. core sample maybe it's like um I'm doing something for the nib this American comics journalism website so um there's a group called the Pinkertons which is a spy detective agency started in the mid 1800s like as a union busting force they used to actually massacre striking workers um 
they come up all through history when you look at massive labor disputes that got smashed like in Appalachia and the Haymarket dispute and all this, but they're still they're still around. Like yeah. they still operate and they're still they're um currently helping union bust Amazon. So they don't shoot workers anymore, but um yeah, they're a pretty nefarious force and very secretive, like very cinematic kind of group. Their 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 tagline is we never sleep. And it's just like the fodder of a good a good comic. So I'm doing an essay trying to explore what they've meant to the history of labor. And yeah. that's that's been fun to research or kind of depressing, but I'm trying to make it like, I always try and make the work have a an organizing dimension so that people don't just read it and go, oh, we're all fucked, aren't we? Um, so yeah, I'm trying to spin it a little bit. So that's been good. And then I'm doing a poster for the manufacturing union, the AMWU about, we're doing a series, I'm on the second one, about um, mental health in manufacturing workplaces because they've done a really good job at like educating their members about physical OHS and taking care to not get injured in your body and stuff. But now they're trying to get mental health and mental injury to the same level and sort of equate them, which is I think is really cool. Um, and it's kind of hard because you're trying to pitch it to like a blokey, workforce which you know it's hard work so they become hard people and so trying to work out how to pitch that stuff like talk about mental health in a way that will reach these people and be stuck up on their pin boards and stuff that's cool and then yeah a couple other little gigs yeah we can talk about them later though but i'm rabbiting on a little bit yeah no that that's cool (laughs) that's really cool uh and you know, what you were mentioning about the Pinkertons, I think, um, I think I read about them in maybe the People's History of the United States by Howard oh. Zinn. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think they mentioned there, I think he goes through, through that at some point. Oh, nice. Yeah, my boyfriend is reading that now. It's like so big. I feel like if he reads it in bed and it's going to knock him out. it's an excellent book it's a really fascinating book yeah yeah i wish i had the patience to read something that thick but a lot of people i know say it's like a pivotal text for them like they read it when they were x age and it started them in on this trajectory so yeah i have my dad to thank for that yeah he he often gave me books like read this it will give (laughs) you a different perspective (laughs) like okay that's awesome Yes. Um, now, um, so look, coming back to comics because it's 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 what we love and and <laughs> it's why we're talking today. Uh, did you read comics as a kid? And and if so, what comics or when did you start reading comics? Or um, wasn't a huge comic set. Like I loved cartoons and like any cartoon really. And uh, yeah, I guess I was obsessed with The Simpsons. Like very very obsessed and any merch I could get. So that meant the comics as well. So I did, I did hang out at the comic shop to get those and just pour over them. Like I loved it. And I'd feel like, I remember I'd feel like quite betrayed because some of them, the show was obviously very uniform and very tight animation style. And then sometimes the comics would be a bit rushed and like scrappy and I'd just be like, oh, like repulsed. <laughs> like, like they pierced the veil or something. I was like, mm-hmm. how could... And then, like, maybe Ren and Stimpy comics and just any comic based on 
the cartoons that I love probably. I didn't really get into superheroes very much, but yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that, but just, yeah, didn't seem, I like drawings that are like crazier or a bit bendier or something. I never liked cartoons that are trying to look real, unless they're hyper real, like anime or Akira, Akira or something like that. But yeah, I just felt like it was a waste of a cartoon if you didn't make, the head stretch out or do something fantastical like superman just yeah there's like explosions and i guess he can fly but just visually it wasn't crazy enough for me <laughs> yeah 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 no like well i can see already his style you know with the simpsons and ren and stimpy and things like that yeah yeah and it, it's great those kind of things you know how they they stretch thing that I love that kind of really cartoony kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So. Make the most of the art form, you know, because otherwise, yeah. otherwise you just may as well be like a midday movie the way some comics are drawn. It's like, why does this need to be a comic? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I remember my mom. So your dad gave you the people's history of the United States. Cool. As my mom gave me the, the Bible in comic form and paid me five dollars to read it <laughs> that's the only other comic i can think of i think i just i very much skimmed that one just yeah five dollars uh, i got that it was in the robert crumb version <laughs> no that would be cool what a weird choice you made. <laughs> robert crumb did a, a version of the bible <laughs> i saw that i never looked at it though did you read it yeah, I, I've got it. Really? In my, yeah, I've wow. got it here. I've got it at home. Yes, it's uh, it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommended. Yeah. <laughs> what a yeah. trip. <laughs> anyway, um, so at what point did you, uh, you know, what's your origin story? I guess you know. What point did you think, you know, what I wanna, I wanna make, I wanna be a cartoonist, or you know, I wanna make comics, or I wanna make cartoon strips, or yeah, I don't, I don't think there was any one time. Like, I never really thought it would be a, a viable job or anything. I just loved drawing from when I was a little kid, and just never wanted to like paint, or apparently, like, never even wanted to use color. Just wanted to draw cartoons with black ink. Um, and they just couldn't stop me drawing at school, apparently. Like, I ran into my primary school teacher at a gay bar when I was, like, in my early 20s. And he's like, oh, did you end up having autism? Because we just could not stop you drawing ever, ever. I was like, oh, okay. I don't think so. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, like, very compulsive at a young age. And then as I got older, it was kind of, I don't know, as, like, a queer kid or a shy kid or whatever like it was a way to be under the radar a little bit and fit in or like have a cool angle a little bit <laughs> so I would just like draw to express myself and like be understood but also like just to I don't know like I don't know it's always just been this very fundamental outlet for me and then uh, as yeah. I got older I into activism in my late teens and you'd be at a meeting and you know they'd be handing out tasks and people would put their hands up and they're like oh we need a flyer or whatever and be like I guess I can do that I can draw yeah. yeah yeah and then the way people would respond to that sort of work just made me be like oh maybe this could be a thing um 
maybe I should take this a little bit more seriously. And then the the organizing, the political organizing and the drawing just sort of double helixed or whatever. And yeah, yeah. And then it just became a way of articulating my politics. So there was kind of no going back from there. Yeah. So is that how you got involved with the Workers Art Collective? And, you know, what, what kind of thing you do with them? And what is it for those yeah, that don't we, know? Um, we started that, like, I don't know, maybe like five years ago. Um, there was actually, we didn't realize at the time, but we found out there was an, a group called the Workers Art Club in the 1930s in Melbourne, which was also like socialist and anarchist um, artists who were connected to grassroots stuff um mm -hmm. and also with a link to melbourne trades hall so it's kind of crazy like almost 100 years later we're doing a very similar thing um so we're all there's about a dozen or so of us and a bunch of us work out of a shared art studio in one of the little towers like the turrets of trades hall yeah. um and we all collaborate and like do workshops with workers we're all union members and come from different industries um, and have different mediums as well. So like if a union or an active group contacts us and they're like, oh, we want an animation or we want like a big, like uh, massive banner for this event we're having, or we want to do a session where we bring workers together to do X or whatever, make a mural or something. Like different people would have different skills to offer. And it's also like a way to not, compete with each other because the art world or you know a lot of this world can pit people against each other and mm, yeah. there are like finite gigs and stuff so this is a way of us really deliberately being like no we support each other and we're not gonna buy into that like we champion one another's work and yeah even if we're doing our own work we still make time to give each other feedback and check in and like we might just be like oh which of these layouts looks better and in the group chat or yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a pretty special thing, especially because like I've, all my other jobs I've had co-workers, which I really liked and is making me even think of getting a day job again because I miss working with people. But this is one way to have being an artist be like a less solitary practice. Yeah. Which, which yeah, is an OHS hazard of art, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And um and of course, being right there at the trades hall as well, you, you've got the unions there. I suppose they come knocking at the door sometimes and say, hey, we need something. Yeah, literally, you just run into them in the hall and you're like, oh, what's going on? And they're like, oh, these people just got sacked or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, let's make something to get a little bit of eyeballs on it. And, you know, we, what we do can't take the place of organizing or real political action, like, but it clicks into it pretty neatly and helps more people hear about it. And yeah, it's just part of like an ecosystem of like struggle or whatever. I don't know. It's hard to talk about without sounding cheesy. <laughs> well, it's, it's solidarity as well. You yeah. Know? And I think that's a really, really important word. I, I you know, I always say <laughs> it's beautiful, if we man. had more solidarity uh, about everything, like even I, I work for a public library. So, you know, but uh, if we had more solidarity, for example, in council between different departments, things would go better. And That's I'm true. sure we will get a better enterprise bargaining agreement as well, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. One million percent. <laughs> Music to my ears. Yeah. <laughs> So, like yeah. we always say like the 
the rich have class solidarity, you know, they know how to have a united front generally. So we need to do that too. We need to be like loyal to each other and stick up for each other and see the overlaps wherever we can. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. So um, of, of all that work that you've done actually for, for unions, and I, I imagine it's a lot. Uh, I've seen little things, but I imagine there's a lot more. Uh, is there something that really is this something that really stands out that, that you're really proud of and, and you're like, yeah, that was that was really, really awesome to be part of that? Um, I think like the process of making stuff is often really special. Like sometimes we'll go in a little group to, I don't know, out to regional Victoria and like meet up with some undocumented farm workers and people who are really risking a lot to um, even be a member of a union and like they do like wildcat strikes that are very illegal and just like the guts of these people that that sort of process of making stuff with them is more what I think of and like gives me heart rather than the the finished product because you just you're never that happy with your own work like there's the odd piece that you're like oh yeah I think I got that right but yeah. there's that, that funny line like Pat Grant said about the only reason artists keep making new work is so that no one will look at their old stuff so like I can't really think of that many pieces that I'm like yeah 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 so uh, so what I'm hearing is that it's more about the process and actually the satisfaction of talking to these people and actually seeing um and, and you know maybe being part of something that hopefully will change things for the better yeah exactly yeah. and seeing it contextualized too like sometimes someone will DM me on social media with a photo of uh, something I made up in their workplace and I can see a couple of their co-workers around or something. And that is when I'm like, oh yeah, this is yeah. like a little bit less, I'm a little bit less alienated from my work because you're kind of just making stuff and throwing yeah. it out there, hoping something sticks, but you don't really know what means anything to anyone. And that's fine. It's just the nature of the beast. Mm. But That's awesome. Now, Obviously, doing all these like posters and all these little uh, things, it's the progression to creating a non-fiction graphic novel kind of seems natural, but at the same time, was it? Because you know, like committing to doing a whole graphic novel, it's it's a huge thing, you know. So how yeah. did the project come about? It is huge. I, I, know, I knew it was huge, but I don't think I fully comprehended what I was getting myself into. It's very easy to sign a book deal. But then you have to make the thing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. But I did, I did resist it for a while. Like Scribe, who are my publishers, they're really, really awesome to work with. And they, since like 2014, they have been getting me to come to the office and have a coffee and just be like, is there anything that you would like to make a long book about? And they're just... I knew that it would take years to do. Um, and I just, I was like, oh, you guys seem cool, but there's nothing that I really want to sit with for that long or, you know, nothing that I know that much about. So, and then I got more and more into unions and we're having these like annual coffee dates and I'd be like, sorry, I got nothing. But then I think maybe the third one, I was like, yeah, maybe we could do like a union thing. Cause I'd already drawn a bunch of stuff and they were like oh yeah maybe it could just be an anthology of 
things you've already drawn maybe with one extra comic to contextualize it and link them together a bit and that's what this project was supposed to be um but then yeah like we were saying you you look at your old work you're like oh no 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 this won't do so i kept like pulling bits out and eventually i just said no we have to just start over and make something new and yeah that's how that's how it happened mm. they were really patient with me though like i was i took forever it took like five years which i'm told by other cartoonists is normal but i felt so guilty but it did it did benefit from like that gestation and yeah it gave me a lot of time to experience different stuff and fold critiques in and yeah hopefully yeah. it was worth the wait i think yeah absolutely absolutely i i really really enjoyed the book uh really Thank loved you. it uh, i i read it yesterday <laughs> you know uh, i just um no no yesterday sunday sorry a couple of days ago how long and did it take you to read i'm curious i don't know i just sat down and i just uh um i just went through it I, I in one sitting what... yeah 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 that's yeah. cool that's what i hope for because i'm like i feel like it's a selling point that you can still get the smug like i just read a book feeling but you get to do it way quicker with a comic <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah no it was in one sitting uh, um uh, it's quite a read because uh, uh, there's so much detail you know there are pages that have so much detail and there's a lot of text as well and um so it's a substantial read definitely very informative yeah hopefully it's um, mature at some points because i was like there's a lot of history in there i was really at, at pains to not make it feel like a textbook because Yeah. you know most people don't really want to read history and uh, i was like how can i sweeten this up and like slap some googly eyes on it or something but i just really didn't want it to feel like a school textbook or anything but there is yeah. like one chapter especially where it is just a lot of history and i'm i hope that's not too much for people but i guess for me no but i do read a lot of history books too so i don't know yeah, yeah. but uh for me it really worked and yeah it, it Uh, it was a really great journey. So, uh, cool. yeah, yeah. So, Thank you. I appreciate that. A I feel glowing like you need review a bit of from me. What's that? A glowing review from me. Oh, bless. I appreciate <laughs> it. It's very weird to have it like just, you know, it was such a private thing for so long and mm -hmm. no one really read it. And then now it's like in very random places and just anyone could read it. And it's, yeah obviously i'm just describing what a book is but it, it's kind of a bit spooky yes. <laughs> you just feel like you got your guts on the table or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> the book's not yours anymore now it belongs right. to everyone that's right yes. i said to my friend i was like oh what if i hate it and what if i think it looks really ugly and she's like well you literally never have to touch it ever again i was like oh that's true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now um We're talking about it, actually, and I just thought, for those that may not know about it, what is our Members Be Unlimited? How would you describe it, uh, you know? Uh, the, the title? I could, I mean, the, the, the book, in general, yeah. Yeah. It is, like, meant to be... Actually, the title is probably a good entry point into describing it, because the, the title is, like, a, the first rule of the first, like, proto-union in the late 1700s like 
yeah, the, the first thing that they proclaimed was that we will have unlimited members, which is like one thing that the book tries to do is talk about how past successes in, invisibilize how hard it was for that thing to come about. Like once things change, it kind of wipes everything away and you just, you can't understand the radicalism of, of the past very well or like how ambitious people were or how special victories were. So, but that rule is like, pretty amazing like that, that i write in the comic that like that was a time when only four percent of british people could vote and like just so much of what we take for granted wasn't here and here were these people that were like we're gonna have an, a group of like unlimited people anyone can join us and all these other militant rules going down the list and that i really respect from their vision but i also think it's like cool for today too because we have like a lot of snobbery and elitism and you know especially within like lefty or countercultural movements there's yeah just like a tendency to look down the nose at everyday people so just the idea that we should be trying to like build things with everyone and it's going to take everyone to, to be able to change things we're going to need like millions of people so there's yeah. like a line this writer R.L. Stevens says it's like, I don't want to be part of a left that sees itself as a subculture. I want this stuff to be embedded in everyday life. So that's what, sort of what I subscribe to. And that's why I like think the title still has resonance or, or hopefully yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, I think one of the uh, points that you made there, you know, that um, at the time it seems really radical, but now, you know, uh, um, yeah, that that's something that I've often said as well about the communist manifesto. Actually, that you know, <laughs> at the time, imagine how radical that was. But now, actually, when you read it, a lot of the things that the communist manifesto is saying are, are you know, very normal. Like people would say, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah that's fine." Like they're very yeah. widely accepted. Not totally. everything, but a lot of it. Uh, yeah, it changed the world. Even like terms like bourgeois, like ruling class all these things that have just threaded through society like from that beautiful book <laughs> yeah but but you know also things like education and health and you know things that, that i mentioned there that are now quite widely accepted you know so yeah yeah hugely influential book it's that that's a that's a like the godfather book <laughs> <laughs> yes um now I've really enjoyed the book, as I said before. I think it's a great exploration of the history of unions and how they came to be and, and, and what they do now as well. And, and uh, how did you go about deciding you know, what to include and what not? And I think you, you mentioned that a little bit before, like you know, there's a lot of history. So you know, um, yeah. how did you go about finding the balance there? It was really hard to try and, yeah, decide what not to include as well as what to include i feel like it I, I it's hard to describe but like the there's like a very rich oral tradition in the labor movement like whether it's at the pub after knockoff or at like the work site on the lunch break like a discreet storytelling like just animated storytelling as a way to pass information, but like in a funny way, it's just a huge part of the labor movement. And it's kind of been 
on the decline as the movement declines and as people like work from home and stuff like that and are more atomized. Um, and also as like there is less struggle, like a lot of these stories are told through struggle, like at a strike, strikes are down 97% since the 70s. Like these, when strikes would happen, people would be sitting on the picket line for days and just talking and telling stories and educating each other. So it was kind of like a, an attempt to distill some of the stuff that I've heard from older comrades and like a way to try and capture some of the things that we might not be passing along to each other, like in a different format. So that was, that was one part of the thinking. And also like trying to pitch it at, um, like I wanted it to be something that you could give to your teenage sibling as they started their first job or someone who was just dipping their toe in. Like I tried to make it pretty accessible, but then trying to make it something that is also interesting for people like yourself who are already active unionists and already know about this stuff so trying to get that tone right um it's a little bit tricky but there's stuff, stuff like there's an appendix at the back that has definitions of a lot of the terms and i try not to like use in all my work i try not to use like weird terminology or acronyms or try to use less words where possible stuff like that without dumbing it down because you you got to assume that your reader is smart and like will decode what you give them but you also have to make it accessible yeah yeah now i actually you i know uh, another thing that i found really interesting and i really really loved is that uh you you introduce yourself in the book uh with your experience working on amazon uh, on an amazon warehouse um and i really really enjoyed that inclusion and, and it's I thought it was great to break, I guess, the, the, the history kind of side of it and to bring us to the present and to see uh, a personal story in a workplace, in one of the biggest, if not the biggest corporation in the world at the moment. And, and you know, what the experience is like there, you know. Um, how do you go about working that out uh, and working that into the book you know because um on the one hand you know it feels very different to the rest of the book but on the other hand it actually uh, as i said i think it really complements it really really well because it brings it to the present and it gives you a very personal story and case study you know um how did you go about that yeah it was it was tricky to integrate it because, you know, you're telling all these really grand stories about amazing history, like, and then my failed attempt to be part of helping unionize Amazon and just what it's like to work there. It did seem at odds a little bit. Like I wanted to, because it's the second chapter in the book and originally in the draft I had, the first chapter ends with this great moment of the first unions coming together in spite of like all the persecution and, detailing some of the stuff that people went through, including getting sent to Australia as convicts, as punishment for their union organising in the UK and then bringing unionism to Australia. All this great stuff. And then I wanted the opening panel of the chapter of Amazon was to be like me, just sitting on a toilet, looking really tired and just to kind of like hit home. Okay, we're standing on the shoulders of giants or whatever, but we're also like in the ruins a little bit and 
this is not a sexy story. Like this is the sludge of trying to get stuff going is, you know, Union is a bit like a lot of it's very boring and like a lot of meetings and like paperwork and just failed starts and stuff like that. So I did try want to try and like present the reality of that so that it's not just romanticizing all the like rah-rah great stuff that we pull off. But yeah, I did uh, just at a logistic level, I like kept a diary when I worked there and tried to write down little thoughts and like even when I would be on my lunch break or finish my shift, I would like quickly write down whatever I like we weren't allowed a phone in there. So I couldn't do my usual note taking technique, but I would like always take notes as soon as I could. And then once I quit, I could see a bit of an arc and tried to turn it into something. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I have to say that for me, it really worked. Uh, I thought he worked really well in the book. You know, I thought he was, uh, as I said, you know, it just brought it to the present and, and gave you a, a case study of why unions are still very highly relevant and important <laughs> yeah. because you know the, the the work conditions there are are deplorable uh you know they're in yeah. really um, yeah and because whatever happens there will happen elsewhere like the everything is a cycle like if if that union victory in staten island last month can be it will be replicated it will like beget more victory and like failure begets more failure too and like if we raise the wages and build people's power and capacity through those sites it will ripple out but also if amazon continues to smash those sites like there are other warehouses on the same street as the place i work in Danyong that got like 20 dollars an hour more that's not going to be the case for very long like just at a market logic you, yeah. you can almost understand why the competitors wouldn't be able to pay that so we have we have to win or like it's hugely consequential yeah uh, when they announced uh, that uh, the amazon warehouse was being built there and they were coming here i i actually said to exactly that to my wife that's really bad because it's gonna it's going to impoverish the whole area and yeah. it's it's going to um, you know really worsen the work conditions for everyone. You know, yeah. it's not just that workplace; it's going to affect everything around it. So yeah, yeah. Unless we win, unless we win. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I would also love to talk about the visual style uh, in the book. You know. Um, I mean, you you mentioned uh, The Simpsons and and Ren and Stimpy, uh, but yeah, you know, like your your art style is really really detailed, really detailed, and and at the same time, it's it's got a rawness to it, you know. Uh, and when I was when I was looking at it, I was like, I think it's a like a great mixture of uh, indie comic style, um, like underground comics, you know, American comics, and also the kind of art that I've seen in punk zines and and things like that. So, can you tell me a little bit more about 
what are your influences in your art style or or is it just yeah. like I have actually no idea. I just draw like this <laughs> and I don't know where it's come from. <laughs> I think you answered the question better than I could. Like definitely like the, the that punk aesthetic was hugely influential and still is like Subhumans album covers and like Run Cobb and yeah, that black and white, just gnarly, really detailed, just overwrought faces. I love that stuff. Like, um, Even like going back to Mazareel, like some of those old liner cuts, which you can see the lineage of that leading into punk aesthetic too, I think, mm -hmm. even though it's like a hundred years ago. But um, And then, yeah, Noel Cunahan, he was in Workers Art Club. He's my favorite artist. He's from um, Melbourne. He's, he's dead now, but he's an absolute boy. People should look him up. And I like Mary Lunig's work. Yeah, Holly Molly, she's in Workers Art Collective contemporary friend of mine a lot of the stuff that really resonates with me now is like just my friends work because I just can understand where they're coming from and like being part of this these feedback loops so yeah. but yeah I think you described it well like underground comics like even Robert Crumb and stuff like that and yeah well uh, uh, yeah yeah that when I was a little kid, my, my dad actually had um, a lot of um, American underground comics. So he had a lot of crumb. He had wow. um, a lot of You friends. got lucky, man. You won the parent lottery. Your dad sounds great. <laughs> Interesting guy, definitely. Um, <laughs> he, like, he, he lived in France for a few years. Um, and uh, uh, they so love he the comics. They're great. Yeah, he had a lot of French uh, comics, uh, a lot of uh, French politi political cartoons as well. And then he had a lot of Cram, uh, Gilbert Shelton as well, the Freak Brothers. I read it far too early, um, but, I, 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 but I enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it, uh, <laughs> you know? And, and then of course, uh, you know, like I was a kid in the eighties and in the Basque country, the biggest uh, music was punk, you know? And so that aesthetic and that influence is huge in my life as well, you know, completely formative. Awesome. Uh, and then in the 90s, reading things like, um, you know, Daniel Close and, and uh, Peter Bag, you know, hate, I read hate, um, you know, I devoured it and so so <laughs> I yeah. came to all that stuff way too late I'm so jealous that's so cool got to yeah. see all that I would just like because I grew up in Geelong and it, you know very suburban and I would just like ring out that anything like just slightly alternative but there wasn't a lot like mm. uh, just before the internet kind of and you know we had it a little bit so you'd sniff things out and just like get the weirdest stuff from the video shop but <laughs> and maybe that was more satisfying that you, it was a bit of a sport to like have to scour the world for this stuff rather than now where you can find to, everything so easily. To be honest, I didn't have to scour anything because I had my dad bringing things on the one hand. And then on the other hand, uh, my brother was three years older than me and he was an absolute devoted punk, punk oh. rocker and, <laughs> and a huge comic book reader. And, you know, whatever he brought i i was always reading and you know uh, and for a lot of things i was far too young to read but um 
but I still read them. Yeah, <laughs> enjoyed them. Oh, big, big siblings are very good at opening those portals. Hey, <laughs> I'm really grateful to mine. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, as I said before, like graphic novels are a lot of work, and uh, and there's a lot of work that's gone into this book. I can tell. Um, they take a lot of time to make. <laughs> Do you have something else in progress? Oh, I don't think I will do anything that long anytime soon. <laughs> also, just because, yeah, like I said before, there's not that many topics that interest me that much. But I'd like to do like smaller, pulpy, you know, people used to make political pamphlets a lot. And I kind of like that, which I guess we just call zines. Like, yeah. I like that, like a well-made zine. It'd be cool if publishers were into putting out like 20, 30 page things. I'm doing some, a couple of, of like medium length things. One with probably like my oldest, one of my oldest mates, Kyle, he just got arrested and thrown in jail in Queensland for stopping a coal train and a Dani coal train. And he just was yeah. digging the coal out onto the side of the track for hours and hours. And they've made an example of him and put him in jail for a while, but he wrote like a, a huge diary about all his interactions with people, which ends up being like a, an interesting text about just transitions to me, like, and to him, because everyone that he met in there, like, was supportive of what he had done, even though like half a dozen of them had worked for Adani, including one that was like a spy that had been like crawling around his protest camp just before, at, like a month before and then like a boilermaker and yeah all these different workers that you might presume if you accepted the binary presented by the media that these yeah. like rednecks are would be really anti-enviro but they were all like wow good on you like we know what's up and so he has like all these really detailed descriptions of the interactions yeah. that would be a good comic because it's that obviously sounds, very that sounds like a really interesting story already i'm sold you know <laughs> <laughs> where can I buy it? I know. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we just know we're going to do it. And yeah. it, it might take a little while, but that's yeah. that's something in the medium term. And then I'm doing a thing with my favorite author, Jeff Sparrow. He's written this text about like um, the difference between what he calls direct, delegated and smug politics, like um, as a way of seeing everyday people stepping up and fighting for themselves kind of, or whether we're deferring to NGOs and politicians and, um, and yeah, looking down our nose at people as well. So he's written the text and I'm going to try and adapt that into a, a pamphlet kind of thing um, in the next few months. And then apart from that, I think I'm, I am thinking about getting like a day job for a while. Cause I just, yeah, I'm sick of sitting around drawing. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I just recently actually finished reading uh, Jeff Sparrow's book, uh, his latest one. And Oh, uh, the climate one? Yes. That's beautiful, eh? Excellent book. Excellent, excellent book. Uh, yeah, really, really, yeah, really enjoyed it. Everyone should buy that book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, I really enjoy his, his writing. So It's such a good circuit breaker because I feel like it's very hard to engage with climate stuff without getting into a doom hole but the way he reframes stuff in that book is just very beautiful yeah yeah 
Well, uh, so, you know, maybe we're going to see some, like a medium story and some zines or, yeah, that's awesome. And and here in Melbourne, actually, well, we're lucky because we've got the festival of the photocopia, which is amazing. The best yeah. zines festival ever. So, yeah, the zine culture in Melbourne is very, very sick. Yeah. We're really lucky. Yeah. Um, now... To finish, uh, uh, yeah, we could probably go talking for forever, but you know, could you mention your favorite three graphic novels or three graphic novels that you read recently that you would like to recommend to others or whatever way yeah. you want to take it, you know? Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is Sa Saftar Ahmed's Still Alive is beautiful comic that just got the damn New South Wales premier's literary prize Amazing. so good and he's just like such a person of integrity and skill so that is a beautiful comic probably my favorite australian comic that i've ever read um, it's it's an incredible book i i read it as soon as it came out i i was dying to read it you know uh for so long and i read it as soon as it came out and i interviewed him i think it was pretty much a year ago uh, as oh, soon cool. as it came, as soon as it came out, I, I gotta look him. that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, wonderful man. Great conversation. Amazing book. So I'm yeah, so happy about that award. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful to see that recognition, and also just good for comics too, and good for the cause that he is committed to. So, yeah, that was great news. We've had a, a bit of good news lately. Eh? <laughs> the election and everything. <laughs> yes. Yes, I like um, I like Josh Santos Burrito's Long Weekend in Alice Springs too. That's a classic. It Can't is. go past that one. It's like just very spacious and just a, a smart comic. Like yeah, yeah, assumes a lot from the reader and, and pulls it off as well. So I love that and one. He's been working on another one, so I'm, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yes. that's cool. Yeah. Um, Trying to think of a third one. My my best mate Nikki Minus is like working on something that is a little bit further in the future, I think, but it is coming along, and it's going to be like a, a huge graphic novel where each page is a full drawing. But I, you may be able to like rip it out as a poster as well, but it'll unify across the whole text, but kind of have standalone yeah. pages. And that's going to be awesome. That sounds like, really interesting. Never, yeah, I've never heard of any other book like that. So. Yeah, and yeah, it's just so good. That sounds really interesting. Excellent. So, yeah, we got that to look forward to. Excellent. Yeah, and yeah. thank you guys for all your champion of comics. It's really great that you're representing us and going into bat for this art form. Yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, you know, when I started working at libraries, I thought um, I think we could do better um, with <laughs> comics. You know, I think. Well, we need to promote them and advocate for them and uh and uh i talked to others others agreed we formed a group here we are <laughs> you know that's awesome and there you go like this is a workers project really like you guys are workers and you're doing this in your capacity as workers i guess we're all volunteers yeah yeah uh, in the library capacity i guess yeah 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 but uh yeah so um yeah Look, an absolute pleasure to 
to talk to you. And yes. uh, I hope that everyone picks up the book. If you can afford it, buy it. If you can't afford it, go to the library. And, <laughs> That's right. You know, or if you're a union member, DM me and I'll send you a discount code because Scribe very kindly set that up. So send me proof of your union membership and I think you get 25% off. But.